Uh, well, good morning, church. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Yes, he is. Um, as you are turning to the Gospel of John, uh, I just want us to think back a year from today. Think about where, where we all were. Not a single one of us was gathered with God's people in worship. And praise God that here we are, that here we are in person, hearing the word of God preached and singing and enjoying the fellowship of the saints. Honestly, those who are still at home, um, we're live streaming right now. We love you and we really hope to see you soon. But just thank you, Lord, that we get to be here. Amen. It's nothing better than this. So um, I'm going to read our text and pray one more time. And if you're having a hard time hearing, um, we just want to apologize. We still are working out an agreement with the city to try and figure out amplification. Um, but we do have some seats, especially up here. So while I'm praying, there is no shame in sneaking up to hear the Bible better. That's honestly a good thing. So if you, if you can't hear, this, this is actually where it's at. So anyways, um, before, one more thing. Before we read our text, uh, I just want to say if you're visiting... Um, welcome. This is only our fifth Sunday together. And one of the things that we cherish more than almost anything else is the word of God. And what, what we do at Christ Church is we work through the, the Bible verse by verse. And um, we are studying the gospel of John together. And so we are going to work through the next section in the gospel of John. Um, and it's actually a perfect text for Easter. That's the way the Bible often works. It's perfect for where you're at right now because there's nothing more relevant than the word of God. And so let's read John chapter 12. These are the last few verses in, the, in John chapter 12. We'll pick it up from verse 44 and we'll read all the way to verse 50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So God, one more time, we approach you in prayer. We thank you for your word that is alive and active. The most powerful thing on this planet is your word. As your spirit brings it to bear on believers and unbelievers alike. And so spirit of God, we just plead with you 
to take your word and apply it to our hearts and our lives. Would you show us Christ? If we've been walking with you for 50 years, we need Christ. And if we've been in rebellion against you for 50 years, we need Christ. So Spirit of God, would you come, would you fall on this place and glorify Jesus as we study your word together. And it's in Jesus' name we say together, amen. Amen. Well, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about how you would answer this question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Throughout history, there has been all kinds of opinions about who he is. Many think he's a moral example. Just look to him if you want to know how to love your neighbor. Look to the cross if you want to see how to love your neighbor. Many people think he's a great thinker or a great teacher or a great philosopher. If you want to know the meaning of life, if you want to know how to live, if you want to know how relationships work and how the universe works, well, go study the teachings of Jesus. Many think he's a great prophet. Every world religion will at least acknowledge Jesus as a great prophet. Many cults today credit him to be the first of God's creation, the chief angel through which God provides salvation for the world. In our modern age, we tend to make Jesus in our own image. Even this week, probably the most popular Christian magazine, Christianity Today, said about Jesus that in Jesus, Jesus, Jesus comes face to face with doubts about his identity. Do you hear that? Sounds a lot like our time, the spirit of our age. Jesus has been made in the image of every world religion, every philosophy, every idea known to man. But here's the essential question. What did Jesus say about himself? What did Jesus say? How did Jesus answer that question? Who is he? What did he say about his identity? About his purpose? What did Jesus say his message was? Well, as we approach our text this morning, Christ is approaching his own death in a matter of days or even hours. In the section just before our text, Jesus made his final appeal to the Jews and the Greeks that they would come to him. We read that they reject him. And in verse 36, we read Jesus hides himself. He departs from them and he hides himself. And in verses 37 to 50, we have an epilogue of the public ministry of Jesus. If you're familiar with the Gospel of John, you remember it begins with this famous prolude or prologue. In the beginning was the Word. The word was with God and the word was God. And it goes on, John, the author, goes on to lay out for you all the major themes that he will show us in the gospel of John. Well, in John chapter 12, in these final verses, this is an epilogue. This is John summing up all the major themes of what Jesus taught about himself. 
We know from verse 36, Jesus is hidden. So when we come to our text in verse 44, as it says, Jesus cried out and said, and as we go on to study it, it will become clear John is recapping for us all of the essential sayings of Christ in the Gospel of John. These quintessential, this is a summary. This, these verses are the distillation in Jesus' own words of who he is, what his message was, and why he came. That is what we are about to study together. And as we work through these verses, we can sum up these, these verses in three statements that answer the question, who is Jesus? The first summary statement that we'll see in verses 44 through 45 is this. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Who is Jesus? Well, let's examine who he says he is. Let's read again verses 44 through 45. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. Let me just say unequivocally from the beginning, Jesus knew exactly who he was and exactly where he came from and exactly what he came to accomplish. Here in these two verses, he says to believe in him is to believe in God the Father. To see him is to see God the Father. And notice the the specific words that begin verse 44. Look with me at verse 44. And Jesus, what? He cried out. He's doing what I'm doing right now. He didn't question. He didn't wonder. He didn't doubt. He cried out. I am the Son of God. Do you know why it's so ridiculous to think that Jesus is just a good teacher? What kind of teacher says, I'm the son of God? What kind of teacher says that? Only a liar. Unless you are the son of God. You can't have the teachings of Jesus without accepting what he taught about himself. And he teaches, I am the son of God. I am one with God. I'm no moral example. I'm no mere good teacher. I am the second person in the triune God. I am one with God. Who is Jesus? He is God. In this gospel alone, Jesus makes these seven famous I am statements. And even the way he says them, He's drawing up an Old Testament image. Seven times he says this phrase in Greek, ego emi. Ego, you may be be familiar with ego. That means the self. It means I am. And emi also means I am. And seven times Jesus said, ego emi something. And he's being redundant grammatically speaking. This is what it would have sounded like if you spoke Greek. I am, I am, 
And then he would go on to say what he was. He is saying, in these seven sayings, I am the I am. You know Yahweh in the Old Testament who said, I am to Moses. What shall I say? Who has sent me? What is your name? And God just says, I am that I am. Seven times Jesus provocatively says, I am that I am the bread of life. I am that I am the light of the world. I am that I am the door. I am that I am the good shepherd. I am that I am the resurrection and the life. I am that I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am that I am the true vine. And there's actually an eighth time Jesus says it. And this time, he doesn't qualify it. He just says it. And I want you, if you have a Bible, to turn a few chapters back to John chapter 8. This is the clearest occasion that Jesus gives his identity to the world. John chapter 8, we'll read verses 54 to 59. After Jesus says these words, they try to kill him. Just know that as we go into it. John eight fifty four. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, My glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. Why did they do that? Because it was crystal clear that he was identifying himself with God, with Yahweh. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was crystal clear. And and I want to make this helpful for us. Our text reminds us that when you see Jesus, When you read about Jesus, when you listen to the words of Jesus, you are are seeing and reading and hearing God. When you turn to Jesus for help and comfort and mercy, all the infinite resources of God are available to you. There is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in your life. There is more comfort in Jesus than all the troubles this world has ever known. There is more stability 
in Jesus, then all the changes in human history, when you draw near to Jesus, you find an infinite well from which to drink, a never-ending bread that satisfies your soul, an infinite vine from which you can draw nourishment and life and bear fruit. He is a perfect shepherd you can trust. He is a perfect light that will lead you into all truth. Who else is like him? He is God. And he's the one that we have gathered to worship today. And before I move on, I want us to notice one last thing from these two verses. How exactly does someone draw near to Jesus? What do you have to do? What process do you need to go through? What what works? What does it look like? How can I get to this well? How can I taste this bread? Well, in verse 44, Jesus says, whoever believes. And in verse 45, he says, whoever sees. All that is required of any person is belief. To just look to Christ and trust him. Not your works, not your good deeds, not your righteousness, not your wisdom. Simply belief to behold and trust Jesus. And so I want to ask you, have you seen him? Have you trusted him? Have you, listen, not just understood that he's God. Have you tasted that he is God? Have you tasted that he is good? Have you personally experienced his goodness? And if you haven't, today you can cry out to God to grant you sight, to grant you belief. You today can turn from your exhausting life on your own and look to Jesus as the one who will satisfy your soul. You can turn from your life and believe that he is God, sent to rescue you from your sin. That is what is required of every one of us. And so that first truth is that Jesus is God. The second truth we see summed up here in verses 46 through 48 is this fact. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. It is no secret that this world needs saving. It is no secret that this world is a mess. But we have good news that came from the mouth of the Son of God himself. I have come to save the world. Let's look again at verses 46 through 47. I have come. Just take those words in. In a mess of a world. 
I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And before we move on, let's just think about what he just said. We live in a dark world. It's dark morally. It's dark intellectually. It's dark politically. It's dark spiritually. The day Adam and Eve sinned against God, darkness has descended upon this world. And every human mind and every human heart and every human home, darkness has descended on the world. And every religion and every philosophy and every scientific breakthrough, what does it promise? It promises light. It promises enlightenment. It promises hope. Yet here's what's unique about Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I've come to give you my version of the light. I've come to give you the best light, the better light. Do you know what's unique about Jesus? Jesus is the light. What is the light Jesus comes to bring? Himself. I have come. I have come. That is light that is unlike every other light. It's a personal light. It is a saving light. He didn't come to give light that if people just decided, okay, I agree with that, they'll be enlightened, they'll have a better life. He came on a rescue mission. He came to save people who were in the dark and bring them out of darkness into the light. As verse 46 says, so that whoever believes may not remain in darkness. The Bible says that until you trust in Christ, you are darkness. That you're a son or daughter of darkness. But Jesus is the light who on the cross took on the darkness. He became sin. And the world literally physically went dark. And he died. He faced darkness. He took on darkness. He took on every part of the spiritual aspect of darkness, the intellectual part, the personal part, your darkness. He took it on. He became sin. And he died. And he was buried in a dark tomb. But what we are celebrating today, and actually every Sunday, is he did not stay in the dark. He rose again. And as Travis even read for us in Matthew 28, there was this bright light and he came forth. As John 1 says, the light has come into the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome Jesus. He is the light that overcomes, that rescues everyone who trusts in him from every kind of darkness. Every kind of darkness. 
He rescues you from personal darkness, from Satan and demons. He rescues you from intellectual darkness, trusting in the world or its own philosophies. He rescues you from emotional darkness. He rescues you from personal darkness. And most importantly, he rescues us from eternal darkness. He is the light. And then in verse 47, he moves on from this metaphor and he just states it over again in plain words. Verse 47, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him for I did not come to judge the world. And he says this, the truth over again, but to save the world. What is it John wants us to remember, to, to know that sums up the person and the, the purpose of Jesus, that he came to save the world. He came to save the world. Hear his heart. He came to save you, to save the world. He is the only savior of the world. And verse 48 then clarifies another darkness, another way he has saved us. Look at verse 48. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him, hear it, on the last day. What has Jesus come to save us from? from our own sin and the holiness of God. Because there will be a day, if you look at me right now, there will be a day when you stand before God. As real as you're looking at me, it will be far more real that you will be beholding the one whom the angels are crying, holy, 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 you. No matter who you are, what you believe, you will stand before God on that last day. I will stand before God on that last day. And there should be some real like, I don't know the word for it, but, but you should feel it. And for those who have trusted in Christ, if you have trusted in Christ, you will stand before a holy God clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And you will have nothing to fear. You have nothing to run away from. Every sin that you've ever committed, every bit of shame you have ever felt or will ever feel will be gone. Because you will be standing before the Holy One in the righteousness of Christ. That's why he came. He came to do that for those who would trust in him. And at the same time, if you have not trusted in Jesus, if you have not repented of your autonomy and rebellion, if you've not repented of scoffing at the words of Christ, you will stand before God and you will be judged by a just judge. 
a righteous judge, a holy judge. And on that last day, you will hear Jesus say, away from me, I never knew you. And you will suffer in conscious torment forever. And ever and ever and ever. And what Jesus is saying in verse 48 is, hear my words. That day is coming. The day is coming. And for every person hearing my, my voice right now on April 4th, 2021, these words will judge you. The fact that some preacher was yelling at you and read to you John 12, verse 48, and you heard them and you didn't trust in Christ, this day will haunt you for eternity. You will be judged for rejecting the words of Christ. And you will be justly judged. And so hear the tender pleas of Christ saying, I didn't come to judge you. I came to save you. I came to save you. Trust in me. Believe in me. Look upon me. Turn from your own sin and be saved. Now, <clears throat> Jesus uses <clears throat> he uses this metaphor of his words over and over again in verses 46 through 48. My words, here's my words. Don't keep whoever doesn't keep my words. <clears throat> and I want us to ask as we approach the third truth about who Jesus is, what exactly is his word? What, what are his words? What does he mean when he's saying in verse 47 and 48, <clears throat> if you've heard my words, if you've not kept my words, what's he saying? In our final two verses, he clarifies what he means by that metaphor of his words. And our third truth about Christ is this fact. Jesus is the Word. He is the Word. Read with me again, verse 49 through 50. This is how John begins his gospel, and this is how he wraps up the ministry of Jesus. For I have, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Do you hear it again and again? I don't, I don't speak on my own authority. I don't give my own commands. I don't come up with what I'm going to say and then give it to people. I say exactly what the Father has said. I say exactly what the Father has told me to say. I don't say anything that the Father has not said. That is because Jesus is God's Word. He is the Word. He not only gives us God's words, 
He is God's word. He, he doesn't deliver God's messages. He is God's message. What does God have to say? It's Jesus. What does he have to say? Jesus is how God ultimately and finally and most clearly makes himself known to you. He is the message. And, and, and what, what is the message that Jesus is? What is the message that is Jesus? What is the word that is Jesus? Well, in verse 50, he puts it like this. It's a commandment. Verse 50, I know his commandment. His commandment is eternal life. What's he getting at here? This honestly took me a long time to study and to discern and to get right. What's the commandment that is eternal life? What's the word? Well, it's just simply Jesus. That's the commandment. To believe on Jesus. To trust in Jesus. Not to just agree with, not to just receive the information, not just to hear the facts, but to with all of your being embrace the commandment that is Christ. To believe in Christ. God's commandment to you. If there was one thing God would say to you today. There's one thing he would say to you. It is trust in Christ. If there's one message that sums up the Bible, it is believe on Christ. What's the purpose of all the commandments in here? What's the purpose of all the instructions? What's the end of all the stories and the history and the poetry to believe in Christ to believe in Jesus and if you obey that commandment as verse 50 says his commandment is eternal life if you trust in Christ you have eternal life. If you've heard the word, if you've acknowledged that Jesus is God, that he's come to save you from your personal sin, and if you have turned from your unbelief, if you trust what he says, you have eternal life. You've got it. You figured out the mystery of the Bible. You figured out the point. Eternal life in Christ. Jesus is God's word that took on flesh as the word became flesh 2,000 years ago. As the word lived a perfect life and fulfilled every commandment in this book perfectly and then as he would lay down his perfect life as a a burnt offering a substitute 
a guilt offering as all these examples of sacrifice in the Old Testament were on display as Jesus was hanging naked, publicly shamed on a cross. As he died, as he was buried, as he came back from the grave, as he ascended to the right hand. That's the message. He's the word. And he came to save the world. And so one more time, I just want to ask you, have you seen him? Do you believe in him? Do you trust him? If you have yet to see Christ, if you've yet to taste him, today you can hear Jesus plead with you. Don't wait for that last day when you'll be judged by this word. Believe in him today. Look upon him today. Trust in him today. Repent of your sin today. And then Christian, I just want, I want to close with this. This is the last thing on my heart as I have talked with many of us who are suffering right now who are facing some real death and darkness and discouragement, I just want to remind you that Jesus is, is the Word of God. It means He's trustworthy. It means He can be trusted. It means you can look to Him and hear from Him and find help for your soul in a time of need. And so no matter who you are and no matter where you're at, you need Christ today. You need him. And so together, let's turn to him. Let's behold him in faith. And now let's sing to him with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength. Christ, you are God. You are the savior of the world and you are God's message to us. You reveal to us what God is like. You reveal to us what the heart of God is like and the mind of God is like and the ways of God are like. And we all need you, Christ. We are living in a dark world and in a, in a culture and nation that in many ways feels like it's darkening. But today we remember that you are God and that you came as the light and the darkness has not overcome you. And you died and you rose again and you are seated on your throne and surrounded by glorious, marvelous light. The angels around you can't even look at you. They have to cover their eyes with their wings because you are the glorious one. And yet I thank you that as you are the word and as you have given us the Bible, your word, by the power of your spirit, we can see you. We can behold you. As we study you and as we hear your word preached and as we sing to you and enjoy the fellowship of the saints, that Christ, we can behold you. I thank you that you are the word to us, that you have made God known to us. No longer do we rely once a year on a high priest going in on our behalf. 
I thank you that Christ, you have made God known, that you tore the veil, and that we can know and see God as we behold Christ. In some mysterious way, you said, if you see me, you see the one who sent me. And so, Spirit of God, would you show us Christ? Would you glorify Christ? Would you shine the glorious light of the gospel of Christ in our hearts and in our minds? Would you drive darkness away? Would you drive doubt and fear and despair away? Would you unstop, would you open blinded eyes to behold Christ? And Jesus, we just say all of our hope is in you. The light has not overcome the darkness. And even now as we sing to you, as we join in with our brothers and sisters around the globe, throughout human history, the great cloud of witnesses who have died in Christ before us. Help us behold you, Jesus, and worship you. So now we're going to sing a song together. Feel free to stand or kneel, raise your hands, and then we'll come up and we'll take communion together.